Blog Talk Radio. Politics will never be the same. Hello everyone, and welcome to the War Room with Big Sarge. Come join Big Sarge as he discusses politics, current events, and the disease that is called liberalism. This is the only show that lets liberals and conservatives debate important topics. Every show is live and unedited. They don't call this the war room for nothing, ladies and gentlemen. Now here's your host, Big Star. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Roundtable Friday. This is your host, Big Sarge, and this is the War Room, where politics will never be the same. Well, I'm back, and hopefully this time for good. I want to thank everyone who over the years, uh, last few years, have been trying to get Big Sarge back in action here on BTR and, and back in radio, period. Uh, as soon as the word got out that uh, that I was back on the radio, we have been getting emails and Facebook messages left and right for our schedule. Now, I promise everyone, as soon as we get the show under our belt and knock some of the rust off, I will make sure to get that schedule out to everyone who asked. As far as keeping track of our upcoming shows, you can go to www.facebook.com forward slash warroom101. That is www.facebook.com forward slash warroom101. Please visit the page, hit like, invite your friends to hit like, and become a part of our political conversations. Also, hit follow on our Twitter page at the warroom101101. We have a great show lined up for you tonight. We have three amazing guests with three amazing perspective. Per- perspectives. Sorry about that. Tonight's two-hour show will focus on three topics, sanctuary cities, the Black Lives Matter movement, and refugees or no refugees. I will not only be the host, I will also moderate the discussions between two conservatives and one liberal. The topics are hot and the people are intelligent. I want to remind everyone tonight that our roundtable discussions, during our roundtable discussions, we do not take callers unless we have time. On our regular shows, we do. This is an adult show and not for the faint of heart. We do not call this the war room for nothing. So everybody's been asking where I've been for the last couple of years, and um, I'll get to the the chat room here in just a second and then uh, welcome everybody. Uh, but I'm going to do a do a quick update on uh, I guess uh, you could say my personal life. I just again for the second time had fought uh, cancer and defeated it. So um, it was a long and arduous journey, but uh, you know thanks to m- my wife. Uh, she got me through it and, uh, you know, turned me into the warrior that I am today. So I want to thank Shaha Brandt for uh, everything that she's done for me the last year and a half. It's been a hell of a battle. Uh, it's been an uphill battle, but uh, Doc's got it, and he said everything is, is good to go. 
Of course, the only problem I got right now, one more hurdle, is during the surgery where I had my hands up in like a Y shape um, for the surgery was ten, almost 10 hours. Um, it did some nerve damage. So I can't feel my first three fingers and my thumb on my hand are all numb. So I'm typing with my pinky fingers. I'm trying the best I can. I'm thinking I'm doing a pretty damn good job doing it. So, uh, you know, just like when we were in the military, they said adapt and overcome. And that's what I'm doing right now. So it'll take about three to six months for that to heal back up. And then I'll get back to normal. And then uh, life will finally get back to normal for us. And, um, you know, we can go on living. So uh, again, uh, I could have done it without my wife. She was a godsend for me. And I want to thank everybody out there who has supported us, who has given us, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, great, um, great support uh, during our time of needs. And you know who you are out there. And, uh, and God bless you. And we love you. And we really appreciate it. All right. Before uh, we uh, get down into the, the nitty gritty here, I want to welcome everybody into the chat room. We have Bigfoot Flycatch Golf, golf Dogs. My great buddy and my old, old friend, Holger Awakens. And it's always good to see Holger. He's been a friend of mine for, for a very long time and a confidant here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Jay Eby, who is also one of our panelists tonight here on the Roundtable Discussion. My beautiful, beautiful friend, Mary. God bless you. Love you, Mary. And my beautiful friend, Kel. I've known Kel and Mary for quite a long time as well. And Smokey uh, runs also a uh, radio station over at HOV, so you have to check him out as well. And The Alaskan. I appreciate every one of you guys uh, so far in the uh, the chat room, and I'm sure we'll have some more folks pop in here. And forgive me, I can't type too good tonight. So um, I am going to field questions and uh, comments from the chat room. So I'm not going to forget you guys that are in the chat room. So, uh, you know, just be aware of that. So we rebranded. I'm going to talk about the rebrand real quick. We were left, right, left radio. We kind of started that and it just wasn't gaining the traction that, uh, you know, that we needed. So we decided to to do a focus group and I want to thank Jay uh, Eby for all the hard work he has done and actually supporting the war room. He did our, uh, um, he did he did uh, the music for it. He did the uh, the background for it. Uh, he's done the logos, the banners. Uh, he, he's been a real huge help. And uh, Jay, um, I got you on mute, but I'll unmute you later. But uh, thanks for all your hard work. I really appreciate your help. I couldn't have done it without you, brother. Uh, so we decided to rebrand to the War Room. Uh, the the uh, the name was very well received. You know, among all the focus groups that we. Uh, you know, that we presented it to. Uh, so we decided to go with that. And so far, it's been a huge success. I mean, as soon as I put it up, uh, just in the first day alone on Facebook, uh, we had uh, uh, over 30 or 40 more likes. And uh, the conversations that we have on our Facebook page, because we do, I do feel the news and we do have, we do have discussions on our Facebook page and you're more than welcome to be a part of those discussions. So go ahead and check our Facebook page out. We're probably not going to put a, 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 a website up quite yet. I don't think I need one because everything that I need Facebook does for me. So we're just going to go with the, the Facebook page for now. And then uh, maybe later on down the road, we'll build a website. So again, um, uh, the, that uh, Facebook page is www.facebook.com forward slash War Room 101. And Jay, if you can link that for me in the chat room, I'd greatly appreciate that. Um, if you can't, no worries. And our Twitter account is at the War Room 101. So, uh, you know, we're active on Twitter as well. As a matter of fact, Ben Shapiro, if anybody knows who Ben Shapiro is from the Daily Wire, he has mentioned um, 
myself and the show uh, a few times on uh, on his Twitter and in uh, and, and one of his live shows. So uh, I, I've, I'm developing quite a relationship um, with uh, that uh, very, very intelligent human being there. All right. We decided tonight that we'd put a show together. You know, this is going to knock the dust off. It's going to knock the... Um, going to you know you know get us into the to the, to the scheme of things here we don't have a schedule set down yet but it looks like it's going to be we're probably going to try to do our friday round tables at 10 o'clock and we'll probably try to do a saturday show maybe nine or ten o'clock as well it's going to be late night i know uh, american patriot radio is looking at us right now to possibly fill a couple of those slots so i'll have to talk more with them hash out the details if they want to pick us up and then we'll probably have to conform to whatever hours they need once that is done, we'll make sure everybody knows about it. And again, we'll, we will, excuse me, we will post it on our Facebook page and send it out uh, via Twitter. All right, let's get on with the show. Let me introduce my panel real quick before we get into uh, the nuts and bolts. Uh, thanks, uh, Jay, for uh, posting that. Uh, again, it's great to see everybody in the chat room. Boy, it's, it's filling up uh, quite well. Our first guest a uh, great friend of mine. I've known him for a few years now. Um, we've had him on a radio show before. Uh, his name is uh, Ronald Dilworth, a.k.a. Rondo. Um, he's a prominent black conservative, one of the most intelligent minds that I think I've ever encountered. Um, so uh, we'd like to welcome uh, Rondo and I'm glad that he could be a part of our panel. Uh, Jay Eby, he's a conservative family man who works in law enforcement. I think Jay will bring a fresh new perspective to this panel that we haven't seen before. So again, uh, Jay, thanks for, uh, uh, thanks for coming on our panel. And uh, again, really thank you for all your hard work you did for uh, the war room. And my final guest is Eric Schultz, a former armor, army mechanic um, who intends to run for office uh, someday um, on the liberal platform. So I want to welcome all my guests, um, my panelists, I think that uh, it's going to be a great show tonight. Uh, we've already gotten, uh, I'm already getting hits left and right on Facebook, and um, I'm getting uh, uh, notices uh, via uh, uh, Twitter. So that, this is good. This is great. This is the first good show. So, uh, all right, before we get into it, there's a few rules for the roundtable that I'd like to let everybody know about. Now, before I do this, I want to let the panelists know that I'm hope, I hope that you're in an area that has a little to no background noise, because I'd like to keep all of you unmuted. If I get some background noise, I'll have to unmute you, and then, uh, you know, as we talk, I'll, I'll um, actually, if there, are back, if there is background uh, noise, I'll have to mute you, and then as we get uh, to, to your question or to your answer or statement, I will unmute you. So uh, just make sure that uh, you gentlemen are um, um, in an area that, uh, you know, doesn't have a lot of noise. And I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, before we'll, we'll, we'll uh, get to the uh, panelists here in just a second, but before that, I want to put out some rules. It's very simple. I only got a few rules. I'll start the content out with a statement and a question. I will ask each of you your input and then the leave the, and then I will leave the floor open for debate. I will join that debate. I know the debate, the debate might get heated at times, and that's okay because that's what we're about here. Again, this is called the war room. But please respect each other's opinions and be professional and courteous about it. We can all debate and agree to disagree, but at the end of the show, we can still be friends. So with that said, um, 
I want to introduce uh, Rondo first. Rondo, welcome to the show, my friend, and how are you tonight? Oh, I'm not too bad. Kind of tired. As you know, I've just had a death in the family. But uh, yeah. other than that, I'm, I'm pretty good. Good, good. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, how about you, Jay? Can you, hear me? Can you hear us good? Oh, absolutely, man. And uh, hello to everybody out there. Hope we have a good show tonight. Good to have you back, Sarge. Good, good. Thanks. I appreciate it. And again, thanks for all your help in this. And then uh, our final guest, uh, Eric. Eric, can you hear me? Yeah, he's just fine. And it seems like you're a very good group and it's going to be a very fun conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, I appreciate you guys uh, coming to the show. And uh, without further ado, I'm going to go to a a quick little uh, uh, segment here and then we'll get into it. All right. Hold on. I'm having a little bit of technical problems with my uh, audio clip. So, all right, whatever. We won't, we won't do that then. We'll just get right into it. (laughs) So we all know there are our first, our first um, discussion tonight is going to be on sanctuary cities. And again, I'm going to go down first and ask everybody their thoughts on it. And I'm going to, uh, uh, leave it open for debate. Um, the Trump administration has stated that federal funding for some states that have sanctuary cities could be pulled. Trump's January 25th executive order asked the State Department, the Department of Justice and Homeland Security to withhold federal funds except as mandated by law from sanctuary cities. Now, the first one will go to you, Rondo. Um, do you think and this this question's for the all the whole the for everybody in the panel, but I'm going to start with Rondo, and then uh, you know the second one will be Jane, and the third one, of course, will be Eric. Uh, do you think we should have sanctuary cities, and should funding be pulled for those designated sanctuary cities, Rondo? Well, I, I think in the end, the problem here is that the immigration problem has never truly been worked on. It's either one extreme or the other. So that leaves this gap that causes stuff. And it's been ignored for years. So now, yeah, when you start enforcing this stuff, yeah, it stings. But uh, the law is the law in the end. And if they don't like the way this is, maybe they should come up with a better immigration bill that eases tension on a lot of these things. Right, right. So do you think we should have sanctuary cities? I tend to think that they're against the law. That's what I tend to think. And, and you why know, do you think they're against the Well, because first of all, it's been ignored for a lot of years. And it's, you know, the, the, the issue has always been put to extremes by one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you're one of, if you're against illegal immigration, then supposedly you're against immigrants. You know, right. we the, well, he's an immigrant. He's a, but the issue is whether he's a legal immigrant. That's the mm-hmm. issue. And it's one that's often overlooked. So yeah, it's 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 been ignored, up, you know, up, up in the blue states because these these people are all sort of people that mind their children and do a, a hard labor, unskilled labor. So yeah, it, you know, it's not like it's a big secret. It's just right, all right. of a sudden, instead of being ignored, the enforcement now has become a shock. Yeah, it's a shock. Right. You think you know, funding, federal funding, should be pulled for these states that have sanctuary I think, yeah, cities? Yeah. Well, if it, if it's the law, yes. If they're going mm-hmm. to be, be, be stay to the virtue to take the hit, you know. Right. Until they change the law, 
You know what I'm saying? This is what's going to happen. And if you can't say you will, uh, this law doesn't count. Now, I understand now that the, maybe the fact, it was, the, what was it, 96 that they passed it. Wasn't that 1323, I believe? Right, At right. Yep, it was in 96, yep. Right. So, okay. So that's the, the, the Lord dealing with this. And you just can't say, you well, we don't want to obey that law because it's, it seems unfair to us. Well, then you need somebody and you need to get your people down to Washington and change the law. You can't right. pick and cherry pick which laws you're going to pass. And if you do want to, then you take the hit and you keep on walking. You don't complain about it because, after all, it's supposed to be about integrity, right? Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know. Now, hold, hold your awakens in the chat room. Says sanctuary city options: a federal funding withdrawal; b mother of all bombs. <laughs> 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 all right, we'll get to Jay next. So again, Jay, the question was: Do you think we should have sanctuary cities, and should funding be pulled for those designated sanctuary cities, Jay? U.S. Code 1373 states that a federal, state, or local government or entity or official may not prohibit in any way or restrict any government entity or official from sending to or receiving from the Immigration Nationalization Services information regarding the citizenship and immigration status, lawful or unlawful, of any individual, number one. Number two, Juan Francisco Lopez Sanchez, all right, undocumented immigrant. Seven felony convictions in the United States and have been deported from the country five times. Yet the city of San Francisco de- declined to detain him for uh, Immigration and Customs for ICE officials, releasing him back into the community. All right. In July of 2015, he was charged and convicted with murder of murdering Katie Steinle in San Francisco. Now, what does that tell you right there? The situation is they are preventing uh, police from being able to investigate, question, or arrest people who have broken federal immigration law. So if you're breaking the law, say, for example, say Sarge decides that he wants to uh, bring somebody in from uh, Mexico. He wants to put them in his house, and he wants to give him sanctuary there because that is his home. He's going to be arrested for aiding and abetting a criminal unless he's in a quote-unquote sanctuary city. All right? He's breaking the law. So why can he be punished, but not the people that are running these cities who are deciding to let and harbor individuals that are illegally into the country, not to mention the fact that they are lessening the lives and the, the, the effort that true immigrants have put into coming to this country legally, paying their taxes, not living off the system, not being a leech on the system that most of these immigrants are. Learning the language and being able to speak English and not expecting us to follow their, their language, their, um, their religion, and everything else because they're embracing this country. So do I believe that there should be sanctuary cities? Absolutely not. Do I think they should cut their funding? I think they should cut their funding and more. Good. Thank you, Jay. Uh, Eric, I'll ask you the same question again. Uh, do you think we should have sanctuary cities and should funding be pulled for those designated sanctuary cities and why? Well, personally, my belief on sanctuary cities is they're kind of a necessary evil being to fact that immigration reform is something that's been needing to happen in America for a very long time. It's so hard for people to actually try and become actual citizens of this country that many of them actually do just stay here. A lot of the people who you call those illegal immigrants, most of them probably came in on a worker visa or a student visa, just didn't leave because they found something where they're able to stay and actually make a living. Now, sometimes they are using social security numbers and other things like that. 
and beings are able, and while they're staying there, they might actually get a family started and everything else like that. In which case, Sanctuary City is meant to try and keep the family together instead of separating people and taking mothers away from their children, brothers away from sisters, fathers away from their families. So, so um, um, I'll, I'll go with uh, Jay on this. Jay, um, what do you think of uh, Eric's response there? I mean, should the should since uh, you know families should they stay together or, or should they deport them uh, the whole family or just deport the ones that aren't American citizens or, or, or what, what's your thoughts on that? Actually, uh, I believe that families should be kept together. But here's the deal: if you've been in the states long enough to form a family, to have children, to get a legal residence, you should have already had plenty of time to put in your paperwork and become an American citizen. If you want to right, continue right. to be a citizen of your own country, take your family back to your own country. Rondo, what about you? Uh, do you uh, you agree with that? Uh, we you, see the, the the I understand what the gentleman is talking about, and to and I let the, you guys know the, the floor the is open so these, you guys can respond. The reason that these things happen, as I said before, is because the immigration laws have it's been stalled in Congress and they haven't been able to work it out. And that law, if it ever got written and passed, would probably cover a lot of these different circumstances. As it is now, yeah, it seems draconian because there's no other plan. There's no other bill. But But for many years, people have been coming to this country legally and flourishing. Why do you have to border jump and expect people to take care of you when you haven't even taken care of yourself or your business with getting a uh, visa or trying to apply for uh, citizenship? I'm well, I'm not, I'm not providing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Eric. Is, is it takes at least a minute. It takes a minimum of at least one year to eighteen months to get citizenship, and then anybody who's in the military, we cannot, or anybody who's dealt with any sort of government in any way, shape, or form. Paper all or paper will always fall through the cracks, in which case files can be lost, and then people have to file again. They may have to go to court, or while they were filing, they might have lost their uh, uh, visa status, in which case then all of a sudden they were in the middle of filing for their to become a legal citizen, and their paperwork fell through the cracks, and now they're kind of SOL. Well, there's there's extenuating circumstances to every situation, which could be could be solved through the court systems. The problem is the people that are here for 15, 20, 30 years illegally and think that they actually belong here when they don't because they've never even taken the steps to become a, a legal citizen of this country. That's the problem. So what do you think about that, Eric? If there's somebody was here for 30, let's say 20, 30 years, and, um, um, and I'll, I'll get to what uh, Holger Awakens in the chat room made a really good Good uh, statement, and I'll get that out in just a second here. But uh, what, what do you what do you say about those people? I mean, they're here illegally. I mean, they, they use the word illegal for a reason. Um, if they've been here for that long, why haven't they taken the steps? And if they haven't, do you think they should be deported? Actually, it's making me think of just a story that I read in the news about that Ohio family, uh, Cincinnati immigrant families preparing for separation, and there was a small family. And the wife was a citizen, the husband wasn't. The husband ended up getting deported because of Trump's laws. He'd been here for a long time. He hasn't broken any rules. He's started a business and everything else like that. But because he's been here illegally, he's getting deported. He's getting separated from his family. Okay, curiosity question. You said that he's, since he's been here, he hasn't done anything wrong. Being here, 
is doing something wrong. It's breaking federal law. Why do we keep overlooking the fact that being here illegally is against the law? Eric? Because the archaic and jerk because the archaic and draconian immigration laws make it really hard for people to try and Actually I have several friends that are uh, that are immigrants that came here legally who can't stand the fact that you have people coming here illegally and sucking off the system that they're paying into. They came here legally, yet yeah, it was a hard process. How are a couple they sucking of them off the system? Because to get in the system you need a social security number. My mom works for the state of Illinois. And to be able to get any of those benefits, to get anything to suck off the state, you need a social security number. If you're here illegally, you don't have one. So how are they, well, that's not, how are they sucking that's up not necessarily if I might true. Um, that's not necessarily true. I'll, I'll use an example for that, for that, Eric. Um, but before I do that, um, I, I, I want to let everybody know here that my wife is a, a legal immigrant. Um, I brought her and her two children over here. Um, and I actually had uh, a child that was uh, um, uh, born in another country, um, and she got her, uh, you know, her uh, a report of birth abroad to be an American citizen. Of course, I did it the right way. I probably paid fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars to get them all over here. They got over here. They did the right thing. They integrated into society. They became Americans. They don't think of themselves anything other than Americans. They think of their. Uh, uh, they, they immersed themselves in the culture. Uh, you know, they did everything that they, they wanted to feel proud. They wanted to do to make themselves feel like proud Americans. Um, His stepson is actually serving in the U.S. military right now abroad. Yes, thanks for uh, saying that. He's actually an infantryman in the United States Army right now. Um, but um, so when I see um, – let's, let's backtrack. So when I – we ended up getting out of uh, – leaving Kosovo – and going to uh, Arizona, I ended up taking over a job over there, which my whole crew, um, we were doc- doing dock work. My whole crew uh, were Mexicans. Um, I mean, 99% of my crew, they were all from Mexico. I had a guy that came up to me. Hello? Hello? I think you may have lost audio. By the way, I have liked your points that you're bringing up. Thank you very much for those. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing with you. Just because people have differing beliefs um, doesn't make us any less important in our uh, in our opinion. We're all citizens. Exactly. I rose my right hand for that. I. Yeah, uh, Sarge said that uh, some reason he got booted, but he's getting back in right now. Sorry about that. But, uh, yeah, we'll uh, continue this going. Um, so uh, as far as the, uh, as the um, immigration laws, what, what would the current immigration system is, uh, you think would be the biggest problem? Because of just the backlog and everything else like that, it's causing such it's causing so many people to actually get stuck in the system, in which case it's causing such a huge backlog. 
which is also causing a lot of people to fall through the cracks. Ah, I cannot talk for a second. Yeah, and, I, I agree with you and, that, that people people who have been here, you know, for a year or two and their visa expired on them or even longer if they've been re- reoccurring their visa and they're not causing any problems, I w- there should be a, a – a, there should be something in stone saying that, yeah, okay, this happened. We're not going to deport you. We're going to give the opportunity to reapply for your visa. You can continue to work. My problem is, and this is what a lot of things, especially from the law enforcement side, um, hands are being tied on criminals that, 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 that they do things and then they think they're above the law because, they have, um, because they're illegal immigrants and they know that they're not going to get deported. So they're going to get brought in. ICE is going to get called in, but that you can't do anything, so you're just going to be released. So they actually have more rights under the law than American citizens who are citizens of this country, who, who have the laws made for them. Now, you see, that one I can actually agree with you on, is that, you know, if you have committed a wrong act or done something that has violated somebody else's rights, of course you should actually be you should actually be upheld to the same standards as everybody else. And specifically the people of this country because we are held to a very high standard. Yeah, but the, the, the problem is these sanctuary cities are basically they're, they're going for more of the far left side and saying that, no, we need to protect all of these people. You know, they, they, they come here for, for health and they come here for this or for that. Well, I mean, if you, if you go through the correct procedure – and you're attempting to get your uh, American citizenship, and you're showing that you're a productive member of society, I have no problem with, with uh, the legal system and the Justice Department working with these people to try to make them citizens. As we all know, America was built by the hands of the, the, the immigrants. Um, this is an immigrant nation. On the flip side, you're protecting people from MS-13 and other large gangs, not to mention uh, sleeper cells for uh, Islamic extremists, coming into the, into the country without being vetted, without being background checked, and you want to protect these people when law Actually, go ahead. for anybody who comes in on refugee status, there is a very long and arduous process for those people. I feel sorry for anybody who comes in. Because the first thing that they have to go through is they have to basically sit 18 months in a camp where they cannot work. They have to deal with whatever they're given, and they have to deal with all the violence and everything else that's happening within those refugee camps. And while, during that time, they have to basically go through arduous testing from FBI, CIA, international, all the countries that they've been at and everything, and all the other stuff. To be able to get in, get refugee status, it requires almost pretty much to go through hell. Well, I mean, you're, you're born into a country. That's, your, that's where you're from. If you want to go somewhere else, I think it should be a hard process now, as, as hard as that, maybe not. But there should be a process to be able to enter into the country. But the problem we're seeing is the border jumpers. They aren't the people who are coming in and filing refugee status and everything else. They're coming in, and they're getting a job with their uncle who happens to be here working uh, for cash under the table. You have, um, you have people coming in that are, are, are gang members who are just coming to traffic. Um, you have a lot of human trafficking. We have a lot of that problem in this. We just had a problem with that in Louisiana uh, with uh, human trafficking. Um, there's a lot of situations that causes uh, a lot of problems. 
and they're not being addressed. And I think that's half of the problem is for eight years, we had an administration that didn't address anything. All they did was sit back and say, oh, no, come in, come in. It's fine because that's votes. Actually, he had more people deported out of his country than Bush. Yeah, and about five times more people enter the country. And can I have a source for that? Uh, yeah, I'll be. I'll pull you a source and I'll put it in uh, the chat when I get the opportunity. All right. I know we have another person, and I've already forgot his name. Yeah, yeah, that would be me. Yeah, sorry. We're not trying to leave you in the background. I know yeah, that. go ahead and chime in, bud. Tell me how you uh, – what do you think about this whole situation? He's still having technical difficulties. He's telling me that uh, he can't hear us for some reason. Yeah, we don't need all that dead air. Yeah, sorry, I'm trying to think of something. You want to move on to the next topic, uh, Black Lives Matter? Uh, I don't know if I wanted to move on without uh, without Sarge. I don't really want to take over his show, you know? Yeah, I don't want to either, but I think we kind of beat this subject into the ground right now. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. All right, I guess we could uh, go ahead and move on. Well, you're paying attention to the chat. Let's get some of the comments from chat real quick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's look at chat. All right, we have uh, uh, Smokey TX, I'm assuming from Texas. Um, he's saying that uh, his aunt um, accidentally overstayed her uh, visa when her uh, his uncle had cancer. And she self-deported, and now she uh, can't return. Hmm. 
Also, we have a, uh, a comment from Flycatch, and I'd really like to hear uh, you guys' response on this one. It said, um, basically, he's talking about inflated numbers and cooking the numbers, and it says that uh, Obama played a game of uh, catch and release, and that's how his uh, that's how numbers got de- deflated on the uh, deportation figures. Oh, my response is on that. Same one I gave you. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm saying you asked and comment on that. My comment on that one is the same one that I gave to. Um, oh, sorry, I'm terrible with names. Uh, just Twitter, right? But uh, it's Jake. basically some sources. Mm. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on. We're going to move on with this show. Uh, I'm sure Sarge will be appreciative to us for uh, for not beating a dead horse. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and move on to uh, Black Lives Matter, and um, let's go ahead and uh, hear from our liberal first, and we'll move from there. Oh, Lord. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead and throw myself out on this one. Account Black Lives Matter is basically a movement that actually does kind of need to happen just because there is very much a direct thing that does happen against the black population. A crime that I would commit myself, and if a black person were to commit that same crime, he would be more likely to receive the maximum sentence, whereas I'd be more likely to probably get probation just based on people in their skin and everything else like that. And this is not just a simple thing. This is not, you know, one of those things that only happens here and there. This has literally been a pattern within the American history for several years on end. And I believe that the reason that Black Lives Matter is a necessary part of American culture right now is because it is bringing all this, it is trying to bring all this injustice that's happening among the different minorities and the different races to the forefront so that way everybody can actually take a look at it, whether you want to see it or not. It's something that we do need to look at as Americans. I would love to comment on that. Um, the great Martin Luther King. Not a problem. The great Martin Luther King, he marched. He did everything that uh, he could in a peaceful manner to bring understanding to the uh, other populations about the uh, the inequalities that were being uh, trounced upon the uh, the black community, the African-American community. And... Uh, he achieved so much in his short life. I'd love to have seen what he could have achieved if he'd have been around longer. But the way he achieved it made you understand that this is people who are just crying out, trying to say, hey, you know, we deserve equal rights. We deserve not to be treated the way that we've been treated. Now when you look at Black Lives Matter, okay, this is a terrorist organization that targets white people for beatings, for um, they block highways, they uh, prevent police officers from being able to do their job, good police officers from being able to do their job. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, just the other day, we had a guy kill a black man, kill another black man live on uh, Facebook, and then take his own life later. We have not heard one word from Black Lives Matter. In New Orleans, we had two men two white men killed because they walked by a protest. All right? Mm -hmm. 
you hear all about the things that are done to these people, but you never hear them stand up for anything that doesn't follow their agenda. That's, that's the problem. And, and the way I look at it is they are a terrorist organization and they need to be designated as such. Okay. You're going on that. You're going, oh, sorry. I'm not trying to interrupt. I'm not trying to get this. Let's let the last person have his discussion too. Sorry about that. Yeah, go ahead. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, bud. We'd love to hear well, from you. Well, you see, the thing about Black Lives Matter is that they need to be happy to see their point. They don't take into consideration the num the larger number of black on black homicides that's going in there, and you have to understand the, the position of the police because hell, there was, was it seventy six people shot in Chicago over the last weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Now you so you have to go now you have to patrol this area. Do you get jumpy? Yeah, yeah, you do because you want to go home at the end of the day. You know, it's I, I don't I don't think any of these officers leave their homes and the, with the idea of shooting a black person. Absolutely well, not. As a matter of fact, well, in my department, twenty seven wounded in Chicago over the weekend. Well, I have mm-hmm. four partners. I have four partners on my shift, and all four of them are black men. And believe me, they're harder on the black population than I am. Yeah, well, I, I believe that's true because they hold it to a high standard. I guess. Exactly. Basically, what they say is, why, why do these people want to go out in the street, bounce, run, scream, act ignorant, completely ignorant, act, act completely um, um, unintelligent, and make – let me see how to say it the way they would say it. They don't want – they work hard. They have families. They are good people. They don't want their race being represented by these thugs. Well, you see, and that brings up another point. The society or the mainstream media, let's talk about them. They don't put a judgment. If you, in your neighborhood, had all these shootings going on, you you would not allow that. You would say to yourself, listen, I can't live like this. But that's not the case. You know, these, these acts go on with the acquiescence of the black community. And they know what the deal is, and the other. But this is the culture you got to deal with. And so the mainstream I'm media gonna, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't go ahead. The mainstream media right, doesn't judge them on though. that. Okay. I, I think, agree with you 100%. The thing is, for the Black Lives Matter movement, pretty much all movements, any grouping or anything else like that, they always have the radical wings. And yes, there are going to be some people out on the, who claim Black Lives Matter, but this is the affiliation of the actual Black Lives Matter movement isn't about, you know, oh, we need this, we need that. What they want is basically to be able to be treated and given the same sentences as anybody else. Like I said, if you're a black person, you are more likely to get pulled over. In different, you're more likely to get pulled over for driving a nice car. You're more likely to receive a ticket. If you're going to get a sentence for a crime, like say somebody was smoking or doing some drugs and everything else like that, a black person is more likely to get a higher sentence or closer to the maximum sentence than a white person. One of my best examples on this one is, um, you know that, um, that swimmer kid who did the rape thing? Do you think he would have gotten as, as lenient of a sentence if he was black? 
I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Uh, I'm trying to remember that, but that's one of her great bad girl. But you see, would he have okay. gotten as lenient of a sentence if they were black? Yes, I understand that. But you see, now I have to look at you because I am a black person. I have been pulled over by the police, and I've always treated them with respect, and they've always treated me the same. You know, so I, you know, I understand. You see, the thing about it is, you say that they're more likely. Yeah, okay, yeah. But when that pullover does occur, are they out of line? I mean, aside from police planning, and that's been known to happen. I don't even know who. But if your papers are straight and you haven't done anything, you've got nothing to fear, and you talk to them with respect. Now, this has been me. This is all my own personal experience. I'm not saying it's the same for everybody. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. And black lives matter. I understand where they're coming from, but they got to understand why it is that this happens. It's what it is with the I have to say that I really people. can't hear you. You're cutting in and out. The, the problem, okay, I'm the sorry. Problem, how we iterate what he's saying right now. Basically, what I see is the, the problem is is the image that Black Lives Matter is uh, portraying is, is not, is, is, to me, is completely counterproductive to what they're trying to do. I mean, yep. you, want, you, have, you have a culture that is seen because of, and I'm going to blame this on Hollywood and a lot of other things. During the 90s and early 2000s, they glorified the drug dealing, the, uh, the, the, they, glamour, they glamorized the, the hood life, the, the killing, the gangs. All of this stuff got sunk into people's heads, and a lot of people in suburbia are afraid because they think that when you see the numbers, and it's so unfortunate that black people are offing each other at record numbers, all right, but then turning around and trying to say that it's a white-on-black situation when really it's a black-on-black situation that should be addressed. That's the problem. That's the core problem right there. And as far as police officers go, yeah, there's, there's bad police officers, absolutely, just like there's bad people. But there are also excellent police officers out there who put their life on the line every day to make sure that these people are safe. And 90% of the time, and I hate to say this because I am the least racist person you will ever meet, but 90% of the time, if I'm going to catch any slack on a traffic stop, it is generally from an African-American or a Mexican person. Hey, guys, can you hear me now? Yeah, Absolutely, Sarge. Welcome back. All right. Sorry about that. I had a little bit of technical difficulties there. Uh, BTR booted me off, and then when I logged back in, I couldn't talk or uh, couldn't hear you guys. Uh, Kel, I'll get with you after the show there. Uh, just stand by. But, uh, okay, sorry about that. Um, I'm back. Uh, apologize for interrupting you guys and get you back on here on track here pretty soon. I guess you guys moved on to Black Lives Matter. And, hey, Jay, you're going to make about to be a dang good co-host here, man. I appreciate you uh, <laughs> taking lead on this. Yeah, well, right. I had some dead air there for a minute, but I didn't want to act like I was taking over your show. But I wasn't going to let you uh, die a slow and painful death either. So we uh, went ahead and continued on. But go ahead. Give us your okay. thoughts, brother. I appreciate all you guys uh, doing that for me. Um, again, this is our first show, ladies and gentlemen. So bear with us. You know, we got to work out the bugs, dust off the the old mic, and uh, and drive on from there. But luckily, we had some, we have some great uh, panel members here that just kept it rolling for us. All right, I know you guys are talking about Black Lives Matters, and I want to back up a bit because um, uh, I, I want to give my take on it, and then we'll kind of like get back into the whole scheme of things. I kind of understand what you guys were talking about here, but I'm going to give you my take, and then we'll go from there. So the Black Lives Matter movement has been deemed by liberals as a group, excuse me, that supports civil rights for black Americans. 
However, others think that the organization is just as racist as the KKK. And again, I'm going to start with Rondo. I'm going to go actually uh, this time it's going to be Jay. Then I'll go to Eric and then Rondo will be last. So the question is, um, is the Black Lives Matter movement a racist organization? And if so or no, why? So go ahead, Jay. Uh, well, I wouldn't go as far as saying that they're as bad as the KKK, considering the KKK has been murdering people since uh, the, the 20s and 30s. Uh, but um, as far as them being a racist organization, absolutely. Um, I have liberal friends who are actually backing the Black Lives Matter uh, uh, campaign at first before it got violent. And they showed up at a rally one time to assist. They were going to hand out flyers and everything else. They were asked, not politely, to get their quote-unquote devil white cracker ass out of there. They didn't need their help. So do I think oh, it's, wow. it's racist? Do I think it's racist? Absolutely. Do I think that if the movement didn't propagate the already um, um, persona that they give the young black uh, community uh, and, and actually negate what they're trying to do? Um, Absolutely. I think it would be a good thing. But unfortunately, all they're doing is propagating the, 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 the thug, the, the uh, unintelligent, the um, undereducated persona that's there that should not be there. Because there, there are some wonderful people of the black community that are completely being misrepresented by these people. And if I was a person of color, I would be way more offended than I am now. And I'm offended now. Okay, Eric, uh, you want to give us your thoughts on that? Uh, I feel like I'm going to be repeating myself here in a minute. Uh, uh, sorry about that. You know, I just want to uh, kind of get back into it. No, 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 I understand. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Um, oh, well, I'm looking at the chat room. I should probably stop doing that right now. Uh, but anyways, I believe the Black Lives Matter, I don't count them as a racist organization. I, I wouldn't put them on anywhere near the same level as the KKK. However, uh, I do believe that there are, like I said earlier, there are radical wings on this in this movement, just like when I was uh, starting out with uh, the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King and uh, Malcolm X. There was very radical wings in that too. And people do tend to try and take things just a little bit too far. They don't know when to actually moderate themselves and actually realize that there is a certain point that you have to actually reach across or you just have to reach out with a friendly hand. Just because the person across from you is not the same color as you does not mean that they're out to get you. However, uh, I'm from the North, so obviously my dealings with the Black Lives Matter is probably a little bit different than uh, the other gentleman, in which case I've actually run across some people where they actually do a little bit more of the proactive movements. They actually do the protests and uh, you talk about them holding up a highway, but then again, when Dr. King marched, he walked down the highway, too, with many, many people. He walked all the way from, uh, oh, what was that last, what was that big march? can't remember it because my history is terrible and I wasn't really the best at it. But, right, right, right. I mean, it, just like any other protest, it's one of the things that you're doing is you're peaceably walking down the road. You're peacefully stepping. Yes, you are causing traffic to be slightly delayed, but it's part of what they're doing, and it's part of how they actually do protest. I want to get into that in just a minute here after we hear Rondo's take on this. So you 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 would say no that uh, BLM is not uh, considered a racist uh, organization? 
Yes, I would definitely go on that one. Okay. Yeah, I, I do want to come back and talk about that whole highway, uh, blocking the highway stuff here in just a minute after I get uh, Rondo's take on it. Thanks, Eric. Uh, Rondo, so um, racist organization or not, man, tell us your take. You're, uh, yeah, you're, definitely. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, no, it's sorry. definitely sorry. racist. They're definitely racist. But you see, here's the thing now. The social view doesn't view black people's racism as such. It's, ah, oh, well, they, you know, after all they've been through, I, I guess I see the same way, some kind of crap. But racism is racism, of course. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's the bottom line. But there's something that they tend to overlook. And they, they don't, and this is the thing that infuriates you, because they don't hold black people to the same standard they would hold themselves. This is the problem I have, you know? And unfortunately, too many of my black people are willing to settle for that lesser standard. You know? And that that is the problem. This is why you got educational systems that don't work, because they don't expect that they want to hold them to the same standard. You know? We'll fudge the tests, and we'll pass them anyway, even though they fail. And then you wonder why they're going to run the streets carrying them. Hey, Rondo, do us a favor. Um, I'm going to need you to do us a favor real quick, man. You're fading in and out. Go ahead and uh, uh, hang up. Hang up. That's all right. Hang up and recall back in, and then we'll get your, uh, we'll get, we'll get your input. How about that, okay? All right. All right. So, uh, all right. I want to address uh, – Rondo's going to hang up, and he's going to call back in here in just a, just a minute here. I want to address – and I got the floor open here. I want to address – the whole blocking the highways and blocking the roads and, 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 uh, and, and doing all, I don't see how that's peaceful. I don't see how that's getting your point across. If anything, it's, it's counterproductive to what you're trying to do. Um, when you kind of agree with that, Eric, well, it's kind of counterproductive well, if you're pissing a lot of people off that want to try to get to work that day and they can't get to work. Or they can't get to the grocery store. Or they can't get, you know, wherever to, to go to, to do whatever. Um, you're not really, you know, coming across as a peaceful organization that way. And yeah, I mean, that's just my opinion. I mean, what, what, what do you think? You're right. You're right. They are making those people in those vehicles very unhappy and very unsatisfied with the situation that they are currently having to deal with. Versus the people who are marching. And the reason they're marching is for basically the fact that when they get put in the, when they go in front of a judge, they're more likely to receive a maximum sentence versus you or I, if we were ending up in front of a judge for a similar crime, we're probably going to get the minimal sentence. Mm-hmm. It's based off the oh, of our sin, all. all of our skin. I, I, and that's something I, that they have to live with. And all along with right. the fact that they, when the, they are more likely to get pulled over, they are more likely to receive the ticket. That's something they have to live with every day. I'm that's sorry. an inconvenience I'm, I'm for their entire life, day in, day out. Right. I don't see that. You being 15 minutes late for work where you can call your boss and say, hey, I'm going to be late. I got some protesters, and you can mm-hmm. joke and say whatever you want about them. Right. Dude, I'm a law Go enforcement ahead, agent myself. I'm a law enforcement agent myself, man, and I don't see that at all whatsoever. Um, if you're speeding on the highway, 90% of the time, we don't know if you're black or white. We just see a car. When we pull it over, if you get out, a lot of times, if you are going to get the ticket or not get the ticket, it's going to depend on your attitude and your priors. If you have priors, you're going to get a ticket. If you have an attitude when you get out of the car, you're going to get a ticket. And as I've said before, and as I've said before, 90% of the time, the attitude that we get comes from African-American, especially African-American women, and um, Hispanics. That's just 
That's just fact. That's not racist. That's not anything. That's just pure and simple fact. And another go ahead, thing Rhonda. I'd like to throw in here. Oops. Go ahead, Rhonda. Sorry. No, no, go ahead, Jay. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to step on you. One more thing I wanted to throw okay. in on this situation is the fact that, um, yeah, if you're blocking a highway peacefully, yeah, that, 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 I still don't agree with it, but that would be one thing. But when you are throwing materials at other people's vehicles, when you're screaming at white people with using racist epitaphs and everything else, when you are, and this has been, this has been done, dragging white people out of their vehicles and beating them, all right, that's not, that's not proving any point, but the point that is already, you think has already been, been uh, believed about you, that the fact that you're propagating the violent culture of the African-American community, and that's something that you should be trying to negate, not that you're trying to uh, propagate, and you, you, the, the good African-Americans, the people who go out and work every day, who try to get an education and raise their families, they're catching the brunt of it. And, and, and it's unfair, completely unfair. But in my opinion, and I'm not going to throw conspiracy stuff out there. I'm just going to throw facts. But personally, myself, I believe this Black Lives Matter movement is just another way to propagate the division in the country between whites and blacks so there can be more racism because that propagates more government control. And I believe George Soros is behind most of it. Right. So uh, so since we got Rondo back on the line, I'll give you a chance to retort here in just a second, Eric. Uh, since we got Rondo back on the line, uh, Rondo, uh, go ahead and finish what you were saying earlier, sir. No, what I was saying was that the, the, the mainstream media and the general perception, the supposedly general perception of liberal view, is that they don't hold black people responsible for these things. They don't hold them to the same standard. They can say they can white people can't say it, then you're racist, but they can say racist, but ah, it's a different thing. It's a whole nother spin on it, and that's and and, and that's what I'm talking about. They don't hold up to the same standards that were they were a white person, that, and that should have been what they would have wanted to be treated just like any other white person. But that's not how it gets worked out, and that's why they. They can't see the fact that this is more black on black. The reason why the police are so damn nervous and gun at because they, yeah, this is not some parking run. This is Dodge City, damn there. Right, right. You know, Rondo, I I don't know if you're uh, again. I don't know if you're. You've just got a bad connection, sir. I don't know if you're on a on a uh, um, uh, cordless phone or if you're on your cell phone, but uh, you're you're coming in and out, in and out, in and out, man. So I don't oh, know if you got a. Reposition yeah, yourself and, and in your house. Uh, do that yeah, for me real quick, and then we'll get you back on. Yeah, what he's saying, though, is, is, is exactly, exactly what I wanted to hear, and it's really driving me crazy that he's going in and out because basically uh, he's stating the fact that a lot of times liberals, they want to throw uh, a, a bone to the, uh, to the African-American community, and they, basically they're saying, okay, these people are going to commit crimes because they're a product of their, of their environment, and that we're going to have to give them a pat on the head and give them a, a little leeway, you know, because, no, the black people that I know, my friends, all right, they want equal treatment, not better treatment not worse treatment. They want equal opportunity for education. They don't want more opportunity. They want equal opportunity. They want the ability to walk down the street and not be seen by the color of their skin. And that cannot right, right. be achieved by violent means 
the way Black Lives Matter is doing it. Right. Uh, go ahead, Eric. Uh, go ahead, Eric. Give us a retort now that uh, well, we can get you back on there. Sorry, right now my computer is being really, really slow because I was trying to bring up the statistics on the the, the sentences that somebody's supposed to get based on race and color okay. and skin and everything else like that. And for some reason, my computer is being very, very annoying. Well, right I think I think we all can agree on one thing, as, as uh, even as conservatives and liberals all alike. I think we can all agree on one thing, and this is a proven fact across the board. Um, the, uh, I see Black Lives Matter groups and people that are associated with the offshoots of, of BLM, you know, constantly protesting against police brutality or racism. But these are the same people that live in neighborhoods that the black on black crime is tremendous. But yet they're not protesting against cleaning up their own neighborhoods. They're not protesting about getting everything together as far as, uh, you know, trying to get the crime out of their neighborhoods. You know, um, I don't see anything, anything. And, I, and I've, I've delved into it. I, I've given um, I've given the benefit of the doubt. And I'm a, I'm a kind of person. I, I, I kind of view myself center right. But I do have some liberal views about a few things. Um, so I did try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go look and I'm going to go try to find something where they had uh, um, tried to bring the races together rather than spreading them apart. And they do not preach unity whatsoever. As a matter of fact, one of their last big rallies they had, they said no white people were invited. So what do you say about that, Eric? I go back to the same thing that I dealt with earlier is that there are the radical extremes on both sides. And right now, a lot more of the people, a lot of the people who are getting the attention are not really the right groups. But the thing is, is, and I think we talked, I think we touched on this one earlier. The media is giving a little bit too much attention to certain factors versus looking at the overall big picture. Okay. Because the people who will bring up the the people who will get the most bad news, like when the bombs were dropped or like any of the stuff, any of the stuff that we're probably going to talk about later when we talk about the third topic. All right. uh, all the big news items are usually the more conspiratorial, the ones that are more of a negative impact because those sell the most newspapers. So looking at the people that they're actually trying to cover, they're probably, they're probably going to be focusing more on the, the groups that are a little bit more radicalized versus the main body or some of the more peaceful bodies. Well, being okay. from being from law enforcement and dealing with these people directly, I have not met one Black Lives Matter supporter that is for unity. They they have flat. You're only dealing with why. the group that's in your territory versus the overall nation, correct? Okay, then why did the overall why did the overall Black Lives Matter uh, leadership, the original people who formed it, why did they say that um, that the lives that that uh, all lives matter? is uh, a front to them because all lives don't matter. Black lives matter. All right. You're sitting at a table with your family at a restaurant. Everybody else's food gets brought. You're still waiting on your food. All food's important. But the, is your meal any less important than the meal, than those people, than the rest of the people? Uh, I, I think that's a terrible analogy. Personally, myself. Go ahead, Rhonda. It's, it's, I think it's a it's a bad analogy. 
because you can get your butt out and go someplace else. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to sit there. But the rest of your family already has their food, and they want to sit and eat their food. Are you going to make them stop eating their food because you want to go someplace else because you didn't get your food? No, in the case I'm not. But how are you going to how, – how, how are you using that as an analogy to Black Lives Matter? Because it seems to me that you're saying, okay – Well, that's the Black Lives Matter wait, 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 versus let, All Lives let me Matter. Let me, oh, okay. But let me finish this. See, I, I've lost my point now. But you want to – the thing is it's so easy to excuse this. And it's, again, it's that same progressive thing. Oh, well, they're upset because of the cops shot. Them. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a beef. I'd say so. But if you want to put, get real loud and, and call people racist, and then you have all these other murders going on, for which the cops are so nervous about, and, but you say, oh, you know, and, and you're always willing to put the, put the, lower the standard for them because they've been abused. Okay, so we have a whole lot of people who've been convicted of falsehood. What do you intend to do about it now? Oh, because these people have been justified, I have been victims of injustice, we're going to let these other people slide. And we're not going to judge them. You know what I'm saying? That's, that don't help my black people. don't help my black people at all. I think Morgan That's Freeman said it the I think Morgan Freeman said it the best uh, on a uh, um, uh, uh, one of his interviews. I think he did with sixty uh, sixty minutes. Um, he he said uh, the 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 questioner or the the questioner asked him, uh, "What do you think about uh, uh, Black History Month?" And he said, "What about it?" And he said, "Do you want a Black History Month or do you not want a Black History Month?" And 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 Morgan Freeman said, "No, I do not want a Black History Month. Why to have one?" to celebrate all our heritage as Americans for one month. He goes, the problem is we're looking at each other as black and white and green and purple and blue and, you know, yada, yada, yada. He goes, we need to stop talking about it. We need to stop talking about racism as if, as if everybody that's white is a racist. We need to stop talking about as if every black person out there is a, is a gangbanger, you know, well, a lot of the minute, we, a lot of problems. the minute, the minute we do that is the minute that, Instead of these organizations like Black Lives Matter that, excuse me, will divide, they'll go to the wayside and people will start rationalizing uh, uh, most of the, most of these issues and we'll have more unity than we will have division. But until that happens, and I think he has a great point, until that happens, um, it's still going to be, uh, you know, black versus white versus whatever. Well, a lot of the problems, I think, with, uh, with not being able to get any kind of unity is the fact that there's so many powerful people who don't want unity. They make their money through unity. You've got, you've got organizations like the, uh, the, the neo-Nazi organizations, the Klan. They don't want white and black people to come together because that's going to drive down their membership. And that's going to drive down money. The same thing with the Black Panthers. Then you look at people like uh, the Reverend Al Sharpton or uh, um, uh, Jesse Jackson. If there was no racism, where are they going to make all their money at? No, I agree with them on that point. Yeah, Your I race mean, baiters I mean, are the ones that are causing the problems, and you've got evil people, evil people like George Soros and others that I could name that are just pulling the strings. Right, right. And, and again, uh, you know, that's that's not something uh, you said earlier that about a, that being a conspiracy theory. I mean, no, it's it's, it's actually not a conspiracy theory. He's delved uh, millions and millions of dollars into uh, organizations uh, like BLM. And Mary made a good point in the chat room, and I want Eric to answer this um, since uh, um, it seems like everybody's kind of ganging up. I'm trying to bring up. my chat back up. 
Okay. Um, Mary, Mary asks this, and I'll, I'll, and I'll let you uh, answer this, uh, Eric. She says, when will black lives matter to blacks? Yeah. Yeah. Probably when yeah. it matters to everybody else. Why does it have to matter to everybody else? No, no, see, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm saying. Right now, right now, they're being torn apart. Rondo has the floor. Why do we have to have have somebody else to care before we start to care for ourselves? Why is that? Go ahead, Eric. Go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. No, no, he was working, and I didn't mean to interrupt. I felt terrible about that. Okay, go go ahead, Rondo. I, or I didn't know if you were finished or not. Sorry about that. No, the thing about it is, is that the solution to this problem that cannot come from white people, it's got to come from ourselves, and that's what this black lives matter. I, I often said, well, if you know, listen, if you're so angry at white people, why do you keep bringing your problems to? That's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Jay, I want I want Eric to go ahead and retort because we haven't given him the floor here in the last couple of times. So go ahead, uh, go ahead and re- uh, give him the floor real quick, uh, Jay, and then I'll let you go ahead and answer. Go ahead, uh, Eric. Part of the thing is, is people do need to come together, and the Black Lives Matter do need to reach out and talk with the people of the different colors. They need to talk with the white community, the Hispanic community, because along with the thing that you were talking about with Morgan Friedman is it's not necessarily one group against the other. It's trying to get all groups to come together. That's why it's why should, when will it start mattering to them? When everybody else matters to them. When they matter to everybody else in the same way. <laughs> Rhonda, Go I ahead. want you to back me up. I want you to, buy, I want you, after I'm done, I want you to comment on this, Rondo, because I want to know if I, I cross the line here or not. But this is the way I see things, and we've had these conversations between me and my other officers who are African-Americans. Um, the African-American community has been so conditioned to rely on the government. They have uh, welfare has gone back generations in their family. Food stamps has gone back generations in their family. They've been so conditioned on the government that – People want to throw out the fact that the government needs to fix this for me. The government needs to fix that for me. When actually what it boils down to is the fact that the black community needs to come together, realize that they need to help themselves. They need to stop the, the drug dealing in the neighborhoods instead of making excuses for the boys that are, that are drug dealing because they, quote, unquote, can't find a job. Um, they need to come together and realize that we can take care of this problem ourselves. And yeah. I and one I mean people need to quit lessening the intelligence of the black community. Black, white, purple, or brown. You can, you get your education, you know what you're talking about. So why say just because this man's skin is a different color that we should give him a pass? I don't know. Yeah. And you know to ex- to expand on that, Jay, um, this is something that I wanted to, and, I, and I'm glad we got on this conversation. This is a great conversation, and uh, I know you're outnumbered, Eric, but uh, you're hanging in there. You're actually doing a great job, and and again, we appreciate the uh, uh, you know the the effort of sticking in with us. I know we're not the easiest group, but uh, you know it's it's good conversation between uh, all three of you so far. But um, um, just like uh, Mary I didn't said, sign up for an easy conversation. Yeah, well, that's why they call it the war room. <laughs> All right. Uh, the thing Mary said is, um, and I agree 110 um, percent, 
we got we got organizations like uh, Black Lives Matter that comes behind um, and, and and they don't protest about the the little the little black girl that just got shot across the street, you know, the other day, or they don't protest about 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 any of the black on black crimes or any. As a matter of fact, just it doesn't matter if it doesn't have to be black on black. It could just be cleaning up your neighborhood in, in general. Here in Harrisburg, we have an offshoot of the Black Lives Matter uh, unit and or whatever you want to call it, uh, organization. And they uh, um, want to, uh, uh, long story short, uh, a young man got shot by a police officer here, got killed. He pulled a gun on the police officer. So the police officer had every right. He was uh, He was exonerated. However, the city of Harrisburg, of course, got together and they uh, did an offshoot. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. I'll have to I'll have to put it out on the fa- our Facebook page later on. Um, I've been trying to get these guys to come on our radio show because I want to debate them, but I can't get them on. But um, they actually did an offshoot of the Black Lives Matter movement against the police in Harrisburg, even though that young man was at fault. He robbed a guy. He beat he beat a guy up. He pulled a weapon on on a police officer, and he got shot. So, again, instead of cleaning up their communities, they're doing it all wrong. As far as I'm concerned, it could be a better organization, and it's just dividing. You know, if I made a White Lives Matter, can you can you yeah, imagine? Yeah, they'd be all over. Yeah. Can you imagine what would that's happen been, to me? Been, I'd lose my job. That's been the same thing for a while now. I mean, if I decided that I wanted to start a TV network and I wanted to play a bunch of white-friendly shows on it, not be racist or anything, just play white-friendly shows, named it Wet, White Entertainment Television, I'd be driven out of the country. <laughs> I, would, I would be the biggest uh, David Duke uh, racist that ever walked the face of the earth. But black entertainment television is fine. Hell, I'll watch it. I like. I do agree that they do need to actually take a different route, and they do need to start reaching out a little bit more to everybody else because it's not just you know focusing on your own group. You do need to get other people's perspective. Part of the reason why I'm sitting here talking with everybody here and start chatting right. in the chat room because I can finally do that again. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good. All right. Well, I think I think we've uh, we beat uh, Black Lives Matter up uh, enough tonight. I want to try to get oh, to our third well, and me, final. Oh, oh, go ahead, Eric. one on Holder real quick. Why do they go refer ahead. to the black community and the white community or the Hispanic community? It's because that's the majority of the people that actually live in that territory, in which case that's the community that they have created. Okay. All right. Uh, good. It's, it's see, I, I like that the the chat room is amazing. Uh, we're, we're filling up quite well in the chat room, and I want to give a shout out to a lot of the guys and girls that are actually listening on their cell phones or or listening as a as a guest. Um, one of one of them is my cousin uh, Eddie Fox. Uh, he says he's having a great time with the show. He loves it, and he's going to be a regular. So uh, thanks Eddie for listening in, and thanks everybody else for listening in. All right, are we? Uh, can we all agree we're done with uh, BLM? We can go on to the third and uh, final uh, subject. Oh, please bring it on! <laughs> <laughs> all right, in two, 2016, the United Nations identified 13.5 million Syrians requiring humanitarian assist, humanitarian assistance. If I could talk tonight, that'd be great of which more than 6 million are internally displaced within Syria and over 4.8 million are refugees outside of Syria. The United States under the Obama administration led in tens of thousands of Syrian refugees into the United States alone. 
Many have stated that they were not properly vetted, which led to President Trump's immediate refusal of any more Syrian refugees. And, of course, uh, there was a plethora of other Muslim countries that he also banned. Okay, uh, Eric gets to go first this time. The question is, do you think Trump did the right thing by refusing any more refugees? And if so, why? If no, why? Eric, you got the mic. Oh, we had a very fun discussion on this one a little bit earlier about the vetting process that refugees have to go through. They basically spend at least two, 18 months to two years in a camp where they have to talk to different intelligence communities talk and come up with paperwork on where they were at, where they were born, where they were lived, where they were from, their name, their history, and all affiliations that they might have had. That's part of the vetting process that happens to any refugee before they're allowed in the, before they're allowed in the country. And this is a long, arduous process. During this time, in that refugee camp, they are not allowed to actually, they can't work because they can't get a job because they're not part of any state or country at that time. They're not part of, they're trying to get away from whatever part they were in, like the Syrian refugees. They were trying to get away from the people who were bombing the shit out of them. I mean, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to live in a town that's being bombed on a regular basis. I'm pretty sure most people in the group don't want to. And the other thing is, is if you look at the list of countries that he banned, the majority of those countries, we didn't even get any attack. They haven't even sent any terrorists to us. They're not even ones of the people who are attacking us. If you want to talk about the people who are attacking us, you could also talk about Saudi Arabia, because on 9-11, the, most of the attackers actually came from Saudi Arabia. Okay. Um, but he didn't ban them, did he? Sorry. No, they actually weren't on the list. You're absolutely right about that. Um, are, are you finished? Yeah, go ahead. I okay, go ahead, Jay. Uh, you're more, next. But... There are currently 800 ongoing FBI investigations of ISIS inspired by terrorist suspects in the U.S., 48 of which, now 48 of which, were serious enough to uh, justify around-the-clock surveillance. Last year, 31 ISIS terrorists were arrested plotting terror attacks against Americans. Um, documents were seized by the uh, FBI in full raids and uh, Islamist ex- extremist cells in the U.S. proved that there is a written plan and strategy to wage jihad by migration on the U.S. by exploiting the immigration and refugee program. Now, I agree we must evaluate, reevaluate our policy regarding refugee resettlement and, and stuff into our country. Uh, our current program is basically a Trojan horse allowing ISIS and other terrorist groups an open invitation to immigrate into the U.S. and establish a base to operate legally and at taxpayer expense. Now, that's uh, common sense to want to be able to protect your country and protect the, your family. And letting people in that Obama's, Obama's own uh, FBI director warned that they could not properly um, screen the refugees coming in from Syria. Yet you want to just open the doors to ISIS uh, hotspots? I don't think so. All right. Thanks uh, for your input, Jay. We'll leave the floor open here in a second after we get uh, Rondo's uh, input. Go ahead, Rondo. Yeah, well, you know, the gentleman mentioned Saudi Arabia. But the thing, and, and, and I can understand refugees. They do have this long process they have to go through. The unfortunate thing about it is, is that if somebody migrates from Saudi Arabia, there are records that you can check on them. And with Syria, that's not. So, again, the gentleman makes a good statement about you. We don't let everybody in the pipe. And the ban was only supposed to be temporary. And it was to like kind of wait to properly vet the people. Yeah. And, and that's prudent. You know? That's just what it is. 
understand the process is going to be long, but I have some people who say it should be longer. Yeah. Rondo, uh, you're fading in and out again, uh, brother. I don't know if you got a, you we must have a bad connection tonight, man. Uh, uh, go ahead and fix that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and open the floor to, 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 to discussion here between uh, all three of you here um, after I give my input. Um, I, I think um, I kind of agree with what Jay said. Um, um, how do you, even, even though Eric, even though they are in these, these camps, and even though they're trying to be vetted through the end of these camps, how much of that information and that intelligence that we get can be, you know, a hundred percent verified or at least even 50% verified, especially when now a lot of the refugees that you can see, uh, especially France right now, they have taken in uh, a loads amount of refugees. Uh, uh, England has taken in loads amount of, refu- of refugees and hell, they even have a mayor that's uh, that uh, in, in London uh, or in England, they have a mayor that uh, um, believes in Sharia law, and he's he's uh, he's a council member on, uh, uh, or he's a he's a mayor of of a town in, in the UK. So, and and he and these are all refugees that we're bringing into uh, our countries, and we're opening our arms and we're saying, hey, um, you know, come on in. But they're 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 not doing one thing, and I've noticed this. They're not assimilating. All right, you remember the Paris? All right, to answer this one. Remember the Paris attack in November 2015? Yes, I did. Where were those guys from? Where were the, that was an attack that was claimed by ISIS. Where were those guys right. from? That attack. The people who orchestrated I, that attack. I, I can't I remember can off the top of my head. Go ahead. They were from Belgium. They were just north of Paris, just north of France. All right. The attacks have happened in America that were claimed by ISIS. The Ohio State in November mm-hmm. uh, in 2016, that was contributed by a Somali-born American. No, so actually, actually, one of them was a, si- uh, was a, 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 a Somali-born yeah. U.S. citizen. A Somalia-born, right. In other words, he was born in Somalia, but he got a citizenship in the United States. So he was a he was a re, he was an immigrant or he he immigrated to the United States. Go ahead. Along with um, and then if you want to go to the San Bernardino Calis the San Bernardino shooting, those two people they were both born here in the states. That was an attack that was claimed by ISIS. The more we try and radicalize and the more we try and basically say that oh that try and give them a reason that they don't want to let that we want to keep those people out. That's the reason that the Muslims here have a reason to radicalize, have a reason to feel afraid. It's not that we are trying to keep the terrorists out. It's we're giving the terrorists propaganda that they can use to recruit. Okay, that's a valid point. I mean, that's a a valid point. Uh, Go ahead, Jay. Now, in my opinion, we need to look no further than Western Europe to see the results of overwhelming refugee numbers that are unchecked. Millions of unassimilated Middle Eastern immigrants who refuse to uh, um, refugees who now live in Europe are uh, essentially creating no-go zones where police fear to even enter. Sharia law essentially rules, and future jihadists are radicalized to the point that they aim and kill the very people whose generosity and cultural liberalism welcomed them into their country in the first place. Now. 
the situation with the, the, the refugee program, like in, uh, um, for example, uh, German intelligence reported that uh, the U.S. shows uh, irrefutable evidence that ISIS hit squads infiltrated Syrian refugees. The resulting carnage uh, sparked public outrage, resulting in a drastic reduction of numbers of refugees accepted into the EU. Now, this raises the question, how can Americans be so willfully blind as to invite the same grave danger here? And we see it happening every day. Right. And Holter makes a good point in, in the uh, in the um, in the chat room. He said he thinks that uh, maybe Eric's missing the point a little bit. He says the ban on refugees is because of, because they aren't vetted. Surely you are not insinuating that the odds of a Syrian refugee being a terrorist isn't fairly uh, huge. I'm assuming he meant huge. Fairly <laughs> high. Or high. Yeah, there you go. High. <laughs> high, huge. Yeah, you know, whatever. So go ahead and uh, answer that for Holter. Well, this is. The ban on refugees is because they aren't vetted. They are vetted. Right. They, but they're not vetted. They go through a very long... They are vetted. It's okay, let me rephrase that. They're not, they're not vetted properly. Yeah, it's already been said by even the Obama administration that there is no way possible to vet the Syrian refugees. Not properly. All right. Rhonda, you got any uh, input on this? Are you uh, fixed? Yeah, but I don't know if I'm fixed. No. But again, oh, you're coming in clear for a second. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yep. Okay. The problem is the vetting. And, and there's no, you can't blame people for taking prudent measures. You can't just say, well, I'll, you know, well, what the hell, you know, because the juice winds up fighting people in the ass. That's how I basically feel about it. You still are kind of going in and out there, Ron. Yeah. Are you are you on a cordless? No, I'm on myself. Huh. I don't know. I don't know. Did did you uh did you hang up all the way and recall back in? Yeah, I did. Hmm. I'm I'm, I'm not sure, but I mean, you, you you come in and then you as soon as you start talking, you you go back out. So um, I'm I'm not uh, sure, but we'll 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 work through it. So, excuse me, it's no big deal. So go ahead, Eric. Uh, retort on that. Uh. Going back to Holder's comment or Rondo? No, uh, just what, uh, you know, uh, um, he was uh, not Holder, but um, Rondo was just reiterating what we had already said. Yeah, they may be being vetted, but it's not being vetted properly. I mean, let's 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 play the benefit of the doubt. OK, let's say they're going through their their the course of the action. They're going hey, through their whole vetting process. I'll, do you think I'll, I'll do you think the vet? Okay. Do you think the vetting process um, from an American and from a soldier, because you know you 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 you've had to deal with the um, I don't know where you've been deployed if you've been deployed anywhere in the world, but I mean you as a soldier would know. Um, do you think their vetting process is, is a you know is it thorough? Yeah. Are we covering our ass? It's as, it's as thorough as it can be given whatever resources that we have available. There's always going to be some way to slip through the rules, slip through the lines. There's always going to be something that comes through. However, the difference is, is we let 10,000 refugees come through. One of them might be a terrorist. If we don't let those 10,000 refugees come through, ISIS is allowed to recruit at least 1,000 more terrorists. It's a difference of one or 1,000 on that. If I can, Jay, what do you uh, think of that? Speak. All right. We're going to go back to uh, something that our friend Eric uh, mentioned earlier about San Bernardino. 
uh, Tashfeen Malik, um, who her and her husband were the ones who carried out the massacre in uh, San Bernardino, passed by three, three agencies and passed passed three background yeah, checks, mm-hmm. and they were from Pakistan. All right. Now she also had put on the uh, online her views on violent jihad, saying that she supported it. Now, had the authorities found these messages years ago, they might have kept her out of the country. But because their discovery was late and perhaps inevitable, shortcomings were shown in our uh, intelligence gathering apparatus, which caused them to be able to let, be let into the country. Now we have Americans who are dead that would not have been dead if they would not been left into the, let into the country. Pretty much it boils down to what's going on in other countries. That's their problem. We need to worry about what's going on in our own country. Before we start feeding these people, we need to start feeding the homeless on our own streets. Yeah, and not only that, I, I think um, I think as a whole, uh, um, in I, I'm all for the whole American dream thing. You know, I completely understand. I wouldn't want to be in another country where bombs are, are being you know thrown at us 24 seven, or we're getting shot at. Uh, you know, yada, chemical weapons are being thrown at us. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, yada yada. And of course, um, America does open their arms to 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 many many people all over the world. I mean. Um, my brother-in-law is a, a refugee from the Kosovo War. Okay, um, he spent about a year being vetted. Um, unfortunately, the ones that are coming over from Syria aren't being vetted that long, entirely that long. But I mean, he went through an extensive process, and now he's a, a, pro- a prominent member. I guess you could say a prominent member of society. He loves America. He don't look at himself other than just being American, and he uh, he loves the country. You know, he was he was very thankful for the opportunity that this country gave him. So I get it. I, I understand they want to come here, but I'm not willing to let ten thousand Syrians in, even if one of them is a terrorist. I don't. And yeah, you, you're you're probably right. Maybe ISIS can. Um, can recruit from that poll, from that pool of folks. But then again, that just goes to show you that these people didn't really want to, you know, become Americans in the first place if they're going to ISIS. So why would you go to a country that's going to offer you an opportunity and end up joining the caliphate? It doesn't make sense to me. Elton Simpson, my dear Sufi, did an attack in Garland, Texas, Curtis Cowell Center on May, on May 3rd. Uh, Americans. Edward Archer fired multiple shots in Philadelphia, claiming allegiance to ISIS, January 7, 2016. January 12, 2016, Omar Mateen. I, I don't dispute the fact that we have some sympathizers in the United States. As a matter of fact, um, um, I, you know, but there are sympathizers a, all over the world. What we're doing is basically giving them more reason to sympathize. I, I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to to see um, to see your point of view, um, and I don't understand by saying okay, we just you know a, a town near here, and I know I'm, I'm kind of bouncing back and forth. A town near here it was called Lancaster and Lancaster, PA. Um, they received uh, three thousand or I think three hundred and fifty um, Syrian refugees. Um, it's the first day they were in t- the first night that they were in town. Excuse me. There was already um, five of them that got arrested 
for having ties to ISIS. No sooner did they get in the United States, get settled. They got a house from, from our government. They got settled up. They got in there, and you know they were given the opportunity. These were the guys that we invited in here, and we said, hey, you know, we're opening our arms to you. Uh, out of those 350, five of these guys uh, had ties to ISIS, had ties to terrorist organizations. So, you know, if we would have caught that in time, just imagine the, you know, those five guys could have created, it only takes one person to, to do something tragic. And I don't think, uh, as, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think we risk the security of our country, especially at such a volatile time we have right now, um, to let, to have the, uh, the ability or to, to, to have the mistake to let even five or six or seven out of a thousand into our country, because those five or six or seven get into our, into our, into our country, they can radicalize. They go to the, the next five or six or seven guys. Next thing you know, that five or six or seven turns into 20. Next thing you know, it turns into 30, 40, and it creates a, it creates a domino effect. Now I'm not saying all of them are like that. Um, but still, I'm not willing to take that risk, and I don't think most Americans are. Yep, and we can argue semantics all night, but pretty much, in my humble opinion, it boils down to this. It's about decent, hardworking Americans that are falling through the cracks and getting a shaft because their government cares more about the constitutional rights of a bunch of people who aren't even citizens of this country. Eric, got anything to add to that? Actually, this is one that I'm pretty sure that we could argue round and round all night on all sides. Well, go ahead, Rondo. I'd like, yeah, I'd like Eric. Had said that if we don't, if we don't allow these people, we'll be further radicalizing. The radical part of it comes not just from from what happened recently. We got to hit the whole history of the Middle East. And how the Western nations back in the day manipulated things, they controlled things. And that's where all this resentment is coming from. And it didn't just start yesterday. And I don't think not inviting them or or wanting to check them is not going to make them any sympathetic to our cause. You know? Right. That's my opinion. I think it's it's silly to think that, you know, just because if we talk nice, maybe they won't blow us up. So let me ask you this, Eric, um, from from a liberal perspective. Um, uh-huh. So, do you think it's okay that Trump said any any and he did say that it's not going to be a permanent ban? He said it's going to be uh, a temporary ban until we can so we can get a, a better vetting process. Do you do you kind of agree that maybe we should have a little bit better um, vetting process than what we do have? I do agree we should have a better vetting process than what we do have. However, I don't really have an answer on how we can have a better vetting process. And right. the other thing that I do have against Trump with his ban is, can he at least ban the country where they have sent terrorists to us? Mm-hmm. No, no, you're you're right. I, I, there's a lot of, uh, as, as Holger said earlier, I, we, I think, and he, or he thinks that, uh, um, they all should be on the list for, for, for the meantime. But, of course, as soon as we put Saudi Arabia on the list, our gas prices would go up probably 5 or $6 <laughs> a, a gallon. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, I mean, it, 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 we could, again, we could, uh, you know, we could argue this until, until, we, until we beat it, uh, you know, like a dead horse. But, I mean, when it comes down to mm-hmm. it, I, I really truly believe that um, – 
Um, I'm not willing to take the risk for, for one or two or three people to get into the country that could be possible terrorists because uh, um, just one person can do so much damage. It only took three people. It only took four or five people with two planes to kill 3,000 people. You know, imagine if more of those imagine if more of those people had the power or had the ability to get um um uh you know to the ability to to get their hands on some some really bad stuff and do even more damage uh, i i don't think at this time that i'm willing to i'm willing to take the risk now am i saying that it's uh that um that i don't feel sorry or i, I don't feel for those in those countries that that uh, want to get out no and and I, I watched Frontline the other day, and everybody, a lot of people will tell you that Frontline is is a is a very liberal media organization. They had a thing on Syria. I watched it, and I was doing some research on the Syrian crisis. Uh, it was about a week ago. They had uh, uh, a few people they were interviewing on there, and a lot of them don't even want to come to the United States. They just want to fix the problem in their home country and stay there. So, you know, you do have those people that want to fix what's going on in their country rather than running. So, I mean, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't uh, uh, situation. But, uh, I mean, uh, do any of you guys have any ideas on how we probably could uh, make this a a better process for having those refugees coming over here? Guess that means no. I have the answer. I'll give it to you. (laughs) <laughs> Jay, I'd be running for I'd be running for office tomorrow if I had the answer. Um, I really, 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 I really, really think though that there needs to be a better vetting process, and until we can, the government can absolutely secure and say that they can protect the lives of American citizens, I think it's time to close the book on those areas just for the time being. Right, right, and uh, you know what? You hit the nail on the head. Um, in the chat room, uh, you're, you're right. A, a lot of the uh, religious beliefs, uh, a lot of a lot of those guys and girls that do come over here. And yes, I say I say women because they're just uh, there are some that are just as bad as the men. They believe that we are infidels, you know, convert or be killed. You know, they don't want to assimilate. They don't want to be part of of American culture. They don't want to be part of uh, what what makes America. I, I, I you know I. I sound kind of corny using the phrase that uh, that uh, Trump has termed, but you know they don't want to be a part of what makes America great, and that's who is, those are the people that I have a problem with. Not all Muslims are radical either. Not all Muslims are radical. radical. One of my favorite one of my favorite sergeants he was Muslim, and mm-hmm. I just loved some of the great conversations I was able to have with him and learn more about his culture, and so I mean, yeah. Go ahead, Jay. You had something. No, just basically reiterating what I said in uh, in chat is the fact that their fundamental religious belief is the fact that we are infidels and we either com- convert to Islam or we're to be killed. That's what it boils down to. So if they try to assimilate into a culture that doesn't follow those type of laws, they're going against their prophet, and that's right. not going to happen. Okay, so we got about 15 minutes left um, in the show, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna throw something out there that uh, none of you guys were prepared for, and I'm gonna see how uh, see some of your answers okay. on this. So this should be inter- this should be interesting, should and be um, we'll we'll start with Jay first on, and then we'll go down since this is the uh, the fourth question. Oh, hit me Did we do the, with the uh, yeah? <laughs> Did we do the right thing um, 
did 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 Trump or his generals or whoever ordered the ordered the uh, the attack on um, Assad? Did we do the right thing? Go ahead, Jay. Do you think that was the right Absolutely. thing? Absolutely. Absolutely, I think that was the right thing to do. We, we, number one, we accomplished uh, killing off uh, at least a hundred um, ISIS terrorists. That uh, and we had no zero um, civilian casualties. All right, I'm not, all right. Now, let me rephrase that. I'm not talking about the Moab. I'm talking about the cruise missiles into Syria. Oh, the cruise missiles into Syria. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's time that America shows a, a show of force. It's time for us to get back to the position where we were in the '80s under Reagan that. People feared the United States because they knew the fact that if you messed with us or our people, we were going to retaliate, and we were going to retaliate fiercely because we are a superpower, and we need to make sure that we stand on those two feet and don't weaken our country and weaken what our military and what our soldiers have died for and what our other politicians have fought for for so many years. We're a strong country, and we need to make sure that we stay strong. I'm a six-foot-four guy. If some little four-foot-two guy comes up to me and punches me in the face, I'm not going to not do anything just because he's four foot two, I'm going to knock his fucking ass out. Pardon my French. Um, <laughs> the same thing with our country. If you want to give us a black eye, that's fine. We'll blow you off the map, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what um, Putin thinks about it. Right. Uh, Eric? Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> first off, the attack, in Sy- the attack in Syria. Oh, Lord. Thank you. Uh, thought I'd throw a kink in the, uh, wrench a, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the whole scheme of things here tonight. Well, I think there should have been some sort of response. I think Trump should have actually consorted should have actually talked with Congress because he was actually attacking another sovereign state at that moment instead of attack instead of the way that the attacks were being handled, just attacking rebel groups or attacking uh, ISIS holdouts. He attacked a separate city-state. He attacked Syria, another country. Last I remember, in the Constitution, for any president to actually take an act of aggression, act of aggression against another country, they need to consult with Congress and get Congress's permission. And the other thing is, is he does not have an actual follow-up plan. He has no follow-up plan to how he's going to handle that. The only thing he did was basically just have a reactionary uh, action, and he has done nothing else to further his agenda on that, of what's going to happen with Syria. Are we going to put boots on ground? Are we actually going to try and unseat the regime and install, install a new regime? He has no plan on that. So what he did was basically... Throw a bunch of bo- throw a bunch of bombs at somebody. He only took out there was only six casualties, and that airfield was up and running within an hour. In fact, the other thing that really annoys me is Russia and Syria knew about the attack before our own Congress. Okay, so would you say that um, um, what about Obama when they attacked Libya? He, they they didn't go to Congress. So would you agree with the same thing then? What about Yes, and that was also a bad action on Obama's part too. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I will Rondo. Stand by my guns on that one on both sides. Okay, Rondo. Well, I tell you what. You are... I tell you what. It worked. Uh, right thing. I don't know, but politically it worked out well for Trump. Uh, going and showing his independence, and you know, I suppose it's Russia thing. You know, I think very few people could, could still accuse him of lining up with Russia after this, whether it be sincere or not. As for a follow-up plan, I don't think it needed it. It was, it was a statement. It wasn't a policy. Right. You know? Right. 
and I, and also, I like the fact that if a problem if a problem comes to Trump, he takes care of it. He says, you know, this some guy shooting chemicals. Well, we're going to do something about that. But the question is, has Syria used chemical weapons after that hit? The answer is no, right? Yeah, yeah. We haven't seen any other attacks, uh, at least that well, were reported. Well, You're absolutely right. Well, well there, there you go. That's the strategy. <laughs> So I'm gonna leave the floor. I'm gonna leave the floor open on this. Um, you know, um, I, I think um, after after I get my thought on this, I think that um, like you said, Rondo, it was a great um, it was a great political action by the Trump administration to do this. Um, I think that it was a strategic strike because if he was going after Assad, Assad would be dead. Okay. Yeah, that's um, true. As far as the president, the president doesn't need the action of Congress to 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 do uh, things like that. Okay, it was a War Powers Act, I think, or something like that, if I remember correctly. Um, so, with that said, it would be nice if they did go to Congress, but it wasn't. It's not going to be a declaration of war. So the president doesn't necessarily need to go to Congress to get this approved. Of course, yeah, maybe he should, and most of the constitutionalists would probably tell you, yes, he, he should do that. That's the right way to do it, and I wouldn't disagree with that. But again, I would say he doesn't have to, you know, and a lot of people don't understand it. And they give him crap about it, but they keep forgetting that Obama did that a few few times. And yeah, and like Eric said, you know, he, he agrees that uh, they should have done this. They should have done uh, the right thing and, and, uh, and uh, went to, to Congress as well on that. But, I mean, I think it was a strategic strike. It showed all the naysayers out there that he wasn't a Russian puppet or he wasn't friends with Putin. Uh, because uh, what, uh, a few, few days later, which I thought was another great strategic move by the Trump administration, he ended up getting China on our side with the whole North Korean thing. And now we're shipping our coal to China. <laughs> and China is turning around North Korean coal. So, I mean, uh, uh, it, 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 people don't give him enough credit for it. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I, I had my doubts about him in the beginning. Uh, but you know what? Actually, he said, I can tell you this because I, I can tell you this because let, I did research on it when I was actually out in D.C. is we were working on the coal thing long before Trump took office. The coal well, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know that. But, you know, he just solidified the deal, you know. He's a deal guy, you know. What the current or what the past administration couldn't do, or what they maybe they they started, he finished. Um, so yeah, it happened under his watch. So he technically gets it, you know, no no pun intended. He gets the trump card on it. <laughs> so <laughs> and uh, and and it's uh, you know, he is the only president so far that has done almost everything that he said he was going to do. So how did he not? Well, not everything, but most everything. And he's passing comprehensive veteran, veteran, uh, veteran, uh, the VA reform. Um, you know, he's sticking to his guns Actually, when he, the when VA he said reform, he's trying to private the VA reform. He's trying to privatize it, which is going to end up costing veterans a lot more. Well, if, uh, well, we can talk about that another time, but, um, um, the, the one that he did pass is not privatized. It's for the choice program, which I happen to be under. And I'll tell you right now, if it wasn't for the choice program, um, I probably wouldn't be alive today. So we'll go into that in uh, another uh, another show. So maybe I'll get you back on for that, uh, Eric, and we'll talk about that a little uh, bit. I'll be more than happy to discuss that one with you because, right. again, that was 
another thing that I had to talk about when I was in DC. All right. Sorry, right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I want to say that we had a great show tonight. I'm going to go down one by one, and uh, and I uh, want uh, you guys to give us any final thoughts that you might have um, on the show, or any final thoughts that you had about any of the subjects that we talked about. Uh, so, uh, Jay, go ahead. You got two minutes. All right. Well, first of all, I want to thank all of you intelligent uh, guys for coming on to the show tonight and uh, giving your views. I really uh, enjoyed talking to you, Eric, and uh, also really enjoyed hearing your views on everything, um, Rondo. Um, First of all, I would uh, like to say that um, our country needs to change. We need to be able to move in a forward direction. Uh, We need to be able to um, end these, uh, end the the problems that we're having with, uh, with immigration. First of all, it needs to be, um, it needs to be hit head on. It needs to be spearheaded and uh, not uh, in a PC manner, but blatant and blunt as to what's best for our country. Um, as uh, far as Black Lives Matter, I think they're hurting the, uh, their movement more than they're helping. And I think that there's a whole lot more to be done with the African-American community by the African-American community instead of people coming out and being radical about the situation. Uh, as far as the show, wonderful, wonderful to have you back on the air, Sarge. I feel um, feel really proud to have been invited to be on the show, and I uh, really enjoyed uh, being here tonight. And thank you guys for a great show. And thank you, Jay. I really appreciate you stepping up when I had some diff- technical difficulties there, man. I could have done it without you tonight. All right, go ahead, Eric. Uh, your final thoughts, sir. Uh, first off, yes, I definitely want to thank you, Sarge. And, Jay, I love the back and forth. The rhetoric was just so enlightening and I, the biggest thing I do have to say is I do agree we do need to reform immigration we do need to work on a lot of things in America and we, not, we need to stop thinking of it in liberal and conservative we need to start thinking of it in American and we need to actually try and find a way to come together meet the co- come together, get the compromise get the best deal, get the best things that are for America's best interest and I mean, thank you so much, Jay and Rondo and Sarge. It's been my privilege, been my privilege to be on here. And oh, I think there was at least one F bomb, AK. Uh, <laughs> I told you the two hours would go fast, didn't I? <laughs> but I really do look forward to being on the show again. All right, excellent. Thank you, Eric. I really appreciate it. All right, Rondo. Hopefully, you got the um, we got you uh, squared away there, but go ahead and uh, give us your final thoughts, sir, and then I'll end it out with my final thoughts. Okay, good. Well, you know, all the problems that we are having today are, are hard to resolve because people these days are so polarized. What Eric was saying is right, we need to get together. But you see, until we start to see each other's perspective, that's not going to happen. And it's always one extreme or the other. And until we do see each other's you're not going to be able to resolve any of this stuff. That's just generally my opinion. And other than that, I'm glad to see you back on the air. I'm glad to see you doing well. Hey, I appreciate it, Rondo. And it's always a pleasure uh, to have you on the show. And I hope we can get you back uh, sometime again. All right, my ending thoughts, ladies and gentlemen, are my final thoughts. And again, I want to thank the panel, um, the, the guest panel, uh, for coming tonight. Uh, I really enjoyed the uh, the back and forth, the conversation. I apologize. We had a little bit of technical difficulties uh, earlier, but I think we got them ironed out. And uh, Jay, uh, I think Jay just became my new co, uh, co-host, <laughs> so we'll see. All right, Sarge's final thoughts. How ironic 
that the beauty of America is exactly what can be taken for granted, our rights and freedoms, yet our complacency as a nation to practice what men and women die for and that citizens from other nations only wish for. That same complacency can hinder our unity as a free nation if we are not careful. We are not a leading country because we have the luxury of drinking clean water and the ability to provide food on our tables. We are a leading country because of our diversity, our willingness to unite with each other and persevere through hardships. It is our open minds that allow us to see the beauty of it all. And I want to close in saying success is the child of audacity, and it's high time that our country start dreaming big and aspire to the greatness that we are capable of. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for listening in tonight. God bless you. God bless America. And uh, thanks for hanging in with me. And uh, you all have a very, very good night.